The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to Spirit Matters, where we explore matters of the spirit with leading experts from across the spiritual spectrum, all designed to enrich and enlarge your wisdom, deepen your joy and peace, and awaken your inner connection to the divine. Here's your host, Philip Goldberg. Greetings, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Spirit Matters. Uh, this is the reboot of the Spirit Matters Talk podcast that I co-hosted with Dennis Fermundi for seven years. So if you're expecting that, uh, it no longer exists. And you can go to the website, spiritmatterstalk.com, and uh, find our archive with uh, a few hundred interviews and uh, enjoy those. Meanwhile, here I am at uh, mindbodyspirit.fm, where we're also uh, building a, an archive, and I hope you uh, avail yourself of previous interviews uh, if you're here for the first time. We're here to uh, provide you with expertise, to, with interviews with uh, people who know things, who are wise and experienced to help you along your own spiritual journey, and today is uh, no exception. My guest is Stephen Hassan. He's a psychologist and a widely recognized expert on cults, mind control, and undue influence, all topics that are sadly relevant to uh our contemporary spiritual scene. He is dedicated to, I'm quoting him now, helping individuals break free from the grip of manipulation and regain their independence. He's the author of several groundbreaking books, including Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and Releasing the Bonds. And he's the founder of the Freedom of Mind Resource Center, which helps people break free from undue influence and the grip of bad actors. He's created models for understanding cults and their dynamics, and we'll get into those. And he hosts the Influence Continuum podcast, which is dedicated to these issues and on which I have been a guest. Stephen, welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Philip, for having me on. And a small correction, my PhD and my second master's is on organizational uh, uh, development and change. So technically, I'm just a licensed mental health counselor, not a psychologist. I just want to always be transparent and make sure people are not um, mis misguided because this is a theme with uh, undue influence actors that they <laughs> misrepresent their credentials. And, and um, in, in, in my case, I got interested in this topic because of my own recruitment. And you anticipated my first uh, question. So let yeah, us just, go. Yes, into thanks. Yeah, no, I, I got interested in this weird topic and area of expertise because of my own cult experience back in 1974, while a college student, my girlfriend dumped me and I was recruited by women flirting with me at Queens College. And <laughs> I became a Mooney and dropped out of college and recruited a lot of people and be, was made a leader in this right, what I consider a right-wing fascist cult 
run by well, a man who for claimed... people who are not quite old enough to remember the Moonies. Yeah, the mass weddings at Madison yeah. Square Garden and Yankee Stadium and RFK Stadium. So, but he claimed to be the greatest spiritual master of all time, the Messiah, sinless claim to that Jesus and Buddha and Muhammad all bowed to him in the spirit world, yada, yada, yada. And I, <laughs> I got rescued from that cult after a near fatal van crash and led me into the hospital away from the group in 1976, led to me agreeing to meet with ex-moonies to prove I wasn't brainwashed and to prove I wasn't in a cult. But in that interaction, I came to realize that I had been brainwashed. And in fact, Moon was a pathological liar and a narcissist. And um, I came out of that experience tremendously ashamed and embarrassed and confused. What happened to me? How could I have believed this? And wanting mm -hmm. to, in my own healing journey, deconstruct the methods that were used on me and that I was trained to use on others. And here I am 47 years later, and I did a whole doctoral dissertation on this topic of undue influence and the law, connecting the dots with trafficking law, which is fraud, force, or coercion, with uh, Lifton and Singer and Shine, as uh, model of Chinese communist brainwashing and mm. my own model mm. of uh, the influence continuum and the bite model of authoritarian control. Which we'll so, get into. Yeah. For sure. So for me, I just want to thank you and say I, I do believe that we're more than material. I am a, identify as a member of a Jewish renewal community that I've been a part of for 26 years and Brookline, Massachusetts. I like to pray. I like to chant. I like to meditate. Uh, I like to study Torah, but I'm also very open to learning other traditions and considering them. But I want love-based, not fear-based, and truth-based, and not lie-based, and all these other criteria that we'll get into. Great. Uh, one, well, two questions about your sure. spiritual history. Um, Prior to Reverend Moon, did you have a religious or spiritual background going yes. into that? Yes, Tell us I was. So first of all, I would beg you not to call him Reverend Moon okay. because he never went to seminary. He said, I'm the Messiah. I'm greater than Jesus Christ who failed. So I don't, I think it gives him credibility that he doesn't it deserve. doesn't deserve okay my 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 upbringing was kind of conservative jewish so we kept kosher in the house lit the candles on friday night on my mother's side of the family my grandfather and grandmother were orthodox so we had that influence uh my grandfather would use tefillin and daven and and etc. And so I went to Hebrew school. Honestly, the Judaism that I was taught in conservative, uh, uh, my conservative temple didn't resonate at all with me. The notion of an almighty God that would harden the Pharaoh's heart and kill all the firstborn <laughs> didn't resonate with anything I want thought was spiritual at all. But what I love about Judaism, and I was kind of brought back to Judaism by a rabbi who was a scholar and a comedian who... Uh, you can't, what a combination, you can't go wrong. Moshe Waldox, who was on the trek to the Dalai Lama to explain uh. how the Jews survived in uh, exile for all of these years, along with... Um, Roger Kamenitz and Zalman Shachter Shalomi. Uh, so there's a whole documentary and book, The Jew and the Lotus. So you can mm -hmm. get a feeling for my, my uh, orientation, which wants to take the best of the practices, but bring it into the 21st century. But um, I was not interested in becoming a Christian or whatever. I watched uh, Kung Fu on TV. I read Carlos Castaneda's, all of those books. 
I had a next door neighbor who was into Gurdjieff. And so I read all of those books when I was young prior to the Moonies. So I'm by no means someone who wasn't curious or interested mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. spiritual issues at age 19. But honestly, I was writing poetry and looking for a girlfriend when I got recruited well, into this thing. So we, we do have our priorities at 19. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and mine was largely hormonal, I confess. <laughs> and um, subsequently, um, just to come full circle on the Moonies, um, they had a lot of uh, publicity at the time. There was a lot of coverage of them, not all of it um, complimentary. Um, whatever happened to them in the end and to him? So the Moonies um, really burst into the media when they supported Richard Nixon during Watergate. I fasted for three days on the Capitol stairs because Moon said that God wanted Nixon to be president. Oh boy. Watergate was no big deal. So we should pray and love and forgive and unite with Nixon because that's who God wants. And now we're in today's and <laughs> similar groups like the Moonies are still yeah. around saying we need to support Trump because God yeah. wants Trump to be president. People don't understand the Moonies just went underground, mm. but they've, they're still very, very oh, really? powerful and wow. they have a lot of money. People don't know that they paid Donald Trump $2 million to endorse, I didn't know that. endorse the Moonies after the January 6th coup, violent coup attempt. Wow. Uh, they paid Pence. They paid Pompeo and Esper. The Moonies own the Washington Times newspaper. They run the largest fish distribution plant in the world. They're the core suppliers of sushi if you like sushi you should find out who's supplying them because the odds are that it's the moonies wow and the moonies have a gun cult and a oh gun my. factory that i'll just add the sun so senior died uh sun myung moon died in 2012 his wife took over the main branch and the two sons in america have split off they were fighting over the billions Wow. And recently, I think she won an appeal, but they have an AR-15 factory and a cult uh, called uh, the Rod of Iron Ministries.org, where the son of Moon has a crown of golden bullets and an AR-15 and says that we need to worship God with military rifles for the coming war. Wow. To, you know, and they have two training compounds to teach people how to murder. So they're very much a force and they're part of this violent rhetoric that we're hearing uh, of, from Trump and other people like Michael Flynn who are yeah. uh, pushing for chaos and civil war. So I and feel... they're operating obviously uh, in a subtle way because A, I did not, and I'm probably better informed of such things than the average person. I had no idea they still existed. And uh, I had no idea they had that kind of influence. Yeah. So thank you so for that. The, the, the media keeps calling them the unification church. Mm -hmm. And what I learned as a leader in the group is that the group had hundreds of front groups you know, groups by different names. And this is part of the deception of this particular cult. The main name now of the cult that the wife is running is called the Family Federation for World Peace and Unification. Mm -hmm. They're in the UN and they're very, very much involved with politics. Wow. But, uh, and then I'll just add in Japan, they were the, the cited as the origin of the largest consumer fraud in Japanese history. They had members looking 
in the newspapers for obituaries and identifying widowers and widows knocking on their door and saying your deceased husband is miserable in the spirit world he contacted us and you need to go to your bank and take out $50,000 I'm making up the number varied how much wow. uh, and and we can do a a prayer condition to help liberate your loved one from this purgatory that they're in and this was the over 35,000 victims and i think the number was about a billion dollars was ripped off wow and the so the japanese don't like the moonies very much and then when when former prime minister abe was assassinated by a young man whose mother joined the cult and gave oh. all their money to the cult oh, he said he wanted to assassinate mrs moon couldn't get to her so he wanted to kill this man whose father had helped the moonies get power and control in japan but it 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 shed a such a media spotlight philip that that the media started looking into all the politicians in the government that exists now and their connections with the moonies wow so a lot of people got thrown out of positions because of this, and now they're looking into taking away their tax-exempt status because they don't deserve to be supported by, by uh, any country, uh, including the U.S. here in the U.S. But this is happening in Japan right now. This is why I wanted you on the show, Stephen. Uh, more, than, more than you wanted to know about no, the well, millennials, but But, no... Um, <laughs> Listeners should know that yes. in my short time of being aware of you and your work, I've learned a lot. And mm -hmm. I already, I thought I knew a lot, mm -hmm. but I learned a lot just perusing your website and some of the interviews you've done because you've dug into details on some of these uh, more egregious uh, occurrences that I was not aware of. Um, that's one reason I wanted you on. But and the other reason what is just so listeners know, um, this, the phenomenon of cults has, it's in many ways inseparable from life on a spiritual path, because we all you 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 enter a spiritual path, and we all want guidance, and we all turn to experts who know things we don't, whether it's your local minister or rabbi or a guru or a figure from uh, the East. And um, we join communities and we benefit from them. And sometimes they have, to one degree or another, cult-like qualities that have a dark side. And we have to be aware of these things. This is one of the reasons I wanted to address this topic. And I, I was happy to have you, to discover you because a lot of people I hear uh, talking about the evils of cults um, don't have a value, don't value the spiritual life at all. They're, they're usually psychologists and they do great work, but uh, because you value the spiritual life and because you come from that personal experience with one of the more egregious cults, I think you speak uh, in a way that our listeners will appreciate. Which yeah, brings I us hope to so. <laughs> I mean, love is love is the highest force, and I do believe that we're meant to evolve and grow. So uh, psychologically, but emotionally and spiritually. And, um, and, and there's a certain amount of things that we can learn from the past and teachers who grew up in a specific historical context. Uh, for me, you know, Judaism started as a cult of the temple <laughs> where animals mm -hmm. were sacrificed. Mm -hmm. And that was considered to be a revelation to not kill your own children, but kill bulls or or cattle instead, right. or to worship a God that you can't see versus to, you know, follow the sun God and the moon God and the God of water and all the other God. This was considered a big, you know, step up. 
but we've come so far since then. And, you know, for me, my notion of the divine is bigger than human human minds can conceive. And just to look at outer space and understand the vastness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, long ago, I rejected the idea that God made the earth and only human beings on earth are in God's <laughs> image and everything yeah. else isn't. It's just ridiculous to co consider that as a, as a in intelligent, you know, educated person. But I, I want to say I'm not into the word cult, even though ah. on social media, I'm cult expert. And, and you my, use it at times. And my book is Combating Cult Mind Control, etc. Yeah. But it's because the word is so loaded. Yes, it is. And, and for many people, it's pejorative. And for other people, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, the, the cult of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, the cult <laughs> of Mac, the cult of scuba yeah, yeah. diving. I'm really into yeah. scuba diving. And you can look at it. But then on my influence continuum, do you have informed consent? Do you have right to your own conscious and critical thinking and access to critical Before you go too info? far with that, I sure. want to talk to you about these especially these two models that sure. are featured on your website and I'm sure in your, your writing. Uh, one is the BITE model, B-I-T-E, an mm -hmm. acronym you can explain. And the other is the influence continuum. I want to talk about both. Okay. Which is the better one to begin with? Well, I like to start with the influence continuum because okay. that's the, the bigger framework. And um, so what I say is that influence is happening all the time around us from the moment we're born, we're being influenced. And there, you know, to start thinking about influence as healthy, constructive influence versus destructive, uh, unhealthy influence. And the bite model is the defining variables for the really bad destructive authoritarian cults and mind control relationships. But in the influence continuum on the yep. chart uh, that I've seen. Yeah, um, it's on my Freedom of Mind website. You can yes. download it for those who are listening. You can go to Freedom of Mind under education, influence continuum. You can actually see the graphic. I'm looking at it right now and you have on the one end of the continuum, constructive and healthy influence, and on the other extreme, destructive, unhealthy influence. And the color coloring of the, the arrows between them suggests shading so that uh, there's degrees. It's not a binary. It's not black yes. and white. Correct. So, and, but you have it in three sections, individuals, leaders and organizations and relationships. Can you explain why why you broke it down that way and give us some examples of healthy and unhealthy, uh, particularly in the context we're talking about here? Sure. So I want to say that we color-coded it this way because some men are, are colorblind and they can't see the difference <laughs> that we're trying to say. This is a continuum, not an all or nothing thing. And there's probably no perfect group that doesn't intrude in some ways, but the, and we're working on a, actually a statistical mathematical model that hmm. might stand up to scrutiny for how to evaluate a healthy group and what number comes up for that versus the unhealthy one. But if you think about individual healthy influence, let's take families briefly. A healthy family, <clears throat> the parents recognize the infant is a unique being and that their job is to help the child grow up to individuate to their true self. And so they the, there should be authoritative parenting that's developmentally appropriate, that has no corporal punishment, including spanking 
like corporal punishment we now know causes trauma and brain damage actually which we mm. know now not an okay thing even if it was done to you and you turned out okay um and so it's developmentally appropriate and it's meant to help young people grow up to learn how to cope how to make decisions how to uh, identify emotional states and self-regulate and ideally they have parents who are role modeling being healthy uh, and don't try to like on the unhealthy side don't try to indoctrinate their children to be clones of them uh, and and adopt their religious structures and beliefs mindlessly um but back to the healthy side so um recognizing people are embodied minds and this is a, another topic that's kind of new in the 21st century for me compared to traditions of the past hmm. because now we understand that there's much more neurological wiring where we're embodied minds and therefore, any approach from my point of view now, speaking from my life of experience, any approach that separates you from your body and says your body's evil and mm. you need to torture it and whatever. And, 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 and if you have an impulse to have an erection that it's, it's evil spirits or, you know, all those types of programmings is mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. healthy, that in fact, we want to listen to our bodies and pay attention to our bodies, because we're, we're, we're thinking through our bodies too, and our bodies should be signaling us so that we pay attention. Ooh, that this, I have a bad feeling in my gut with this new person, mm -hmm. like to then go, what is it that I need to do to reality test? So just to finish up the healthy side for an individual, you have free will, you have critical thinking, you can read whatever you want to read, you have access to your creativity, you operate from love and compassion, and, and love is about beingness, not about performance and conditional love, which is on the bad side. Um, and ultimately... Um, yeah, trusting that people should be in charge of their own decisions about about their lives. Um, do you want me to keep going down? Yeah, the go ethical? ahead, please. Okay, so then I did another level of leadership because there are healthy leaders and unhealthy leaders. Healthy leaders know that that they're not perfect and don't know everything and are open to if they lie and they're corrected they apologize and they are accountable and they're transparent and they're trustworthy and they're psychologically healthy they're not addicted to sex they're not addicted to drugs they're 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 not addicted to power that that and 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 a healthy leader spiritual leader for me is a servant mm -hmm. to uplift students and and role model that humility and and compassion and kindness and i definitely believe we have models of 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 healthy spiritual leaders mm -hmm. um and then just finishing up for organizations um you know for me healthy organizations uh, uh change over time they have checks and balances so no one it goes on a power trip and takes advantage or puts other people down. Um, so there are checks and balances. You have informed consent when you're recruiting. So if a, a group, uh, someone's asking you to come to an ashram or come to a meditation, but they don't tell you who the leader is, what the lineage is, and it checks out that they're actually credentialed because a lot of bogus leaders lie and make it up yep. and and people assume that how could they lie because they're spiritual well bad bad cult leaders <laughs> lie all the time as a standard um and i like to teach with organization the means create the ends 
and this is in opposition to the unethical where the ends justify the means where you say, oh, I can lie because we are doing a great thing. Or right. well, I say, if you do a, a lie, it's going to create more lies. <laughs> it's going to it's going to do more of the bad stuff. The critical thing for me with organizations is, you know, up front before you get asked for a commitment, who they are, what they believe and what to expect that mm -hmm. you're not pressured to rush to a decision, that you have access to interview X members and critics and read whatever you want to read and bring those questions to the group and get real answers, not attacks back on you or ad hominem attacks on the critics or the former members, but actually listening with the the the, the position hey, if this group is legitimate, it will stand to, up to scrutiny. And if it's not legitimate, I don't want to invest my time and my money and my power. And the other critical thing is free to leave. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, people can leave for many reasons. They're maybe not being fulfilled. Maybe they find another path that resonates more for them or another teacher. Maybe they just need to take a break you know, have right. a vacation and the freedom without fear, guilt, coercion, pressure, phobia, indoctrination. I know I'm leaping into the unhealthy side, but that's why the continuum is so useful is because you can compare and contrast yeah. at the yeah. extremes. It's really obvious if you're looking at extreme case examples and then in the middle, which is most of the groups, then it becomes a little more difficult to think about, uh, you know, a pyramid structured group with insiders at the top and core right. disciples and then fringe members who have no clue what's going on inside. Right. And of course, for them, they feel like it's great, wonderful group. I'll give my money. I'll I'll recruit more people, but they don't understand there's a conveyor belt system for anyone who is responsive to the recruitment enticements and things can get more and more extreme and private and secretive at the upper ends. And I think if a group is legitimate, you should know what's happening in the upper levels before yeah. you get asked. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. I always thought that one of the uh, one of the criteria, and it was for me, is um, to what extent you you can ask questions and express your doubts and ask challenging questions, whether they're um, welcome and answered, you know, presumably to your satisfaction, but at least an attempt. Or to or you're um, ostracized for even raising those questions and perhaps even penalized and uh, diminished, you know, because uh, you you don't have the requisite faith or uh, trust or uh, you, know, you you're just too stupid to see. The yeah, truth. or you have bad karma. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Whatever. But, you know, that I'll just cycle back because my Jewish roots and why I consider uh, <laughs> it more comfortable to, res you know, to, to say this is my my spiritual home uh, is because Jews like to question Abraham question, <laughs> Moses question. Nobody worship Moses, you know, even though he's considered the greatest prophet and leader of Judaism. And even in the Talmud, there would be fights around things and they would leave both positions and they wouldn't say there's one way to interpret things so for me i can really resonate with this yeah, yeah. um notion but you're absolutely right if if you ask direct questions and you don't get direct 
concrete answers, but you get deflections or it's turned around on you or attacks on the sources of that information, run. Like, don't wait to be convinced not to pay attention to your question. Yeah. Um, let's turn to the bite model. Bite. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll say, I'll tell the listeners what the acronym stands for. Bite, B-I-T-E, behavior, information, thought, and emotional control. Tell us about bite, how you came to it, and how it's, sure. how it's useful. Sure. So, um, so what helped me get out of the Moonies was learning Lifton's eight criteria of what a brainwashing environment was. Lifton was, uh, is a brilliant uh, psychiatrist, and his themes are spot on, but they're a little ivory towerish, and they require some real thoughtful reflection. And, and a dictionary in many cases. And, and Singer had an easier, simpler six conditions. What was Singer's which, first name? Margaret Singer, excuse me. She was an army psychologist studying Chinese communist brainwashing. And her model is in a book called Cults in Our Midst. Mm. And it's included in my doctoral dissertation as well because it's more behavioristic and works well. Shine had his model. But in my evolution of trying to understand this whole subject, I came across a critically important theory called cognitive dissonance theory mm -hmm. by Leon Festinger, who wrote a book, When Prophecies Fail, about a UFO cult who he and his <laughs> students studied. And he was very perplexed and curious why when the spaceship didn't show up on the mountaintop, when the when the leader said it should, uh, he expected everyone to lose faith and and leave, and they believed more, and so he created this theory, saying, "Imagine that he had, if he'd been indicted four times, <laughs> ninety one charges of criminal." <laughs> no, so he he came up with a theory saying, you know, humans have behaviors that they do, they have beliefs and thoughts about these behaviors, they have feelings about these behaviors, and humans don't like to be in conflict between these things. And he said, if you can get a human to do an extreme behavior, they rationalize it and justify it in order to feel good about it. And so there's this kind of self-aligning feature, and it probably has to do a lot with our egos, wanting to believe that we're doing what we believe and practicing in a congruent way. And I thought about this, and this is, by the way, the basis for all cognitive behavioral therapy approaches mm -hmm. is thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And a lot of is teaching people broken beliefs. You know, I'm stupid. I'm, you know, I'm a loser. Nobody finds me attractive, whatever. And teaching people, you know, you can stop saying that sentence in your head a million times and replace it with a positive thought, like I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm lovable. And you can actually rewire how you feel about yourself and change your behaviors and actually go out and meet people if you're single for example. So it's a very important model. So I thought, hmm, I wonder if I can think through how I re was recruited into the Moonies and how I recruited people and identify psych social psychological variables like sleep deprivation or mm -hmm. sleep manipulation or making people wear the same clothes or changing their name, their diet. And just I started just laundry listing behavior control and thought control and emotional control thought control involved uh, loaded language or thought terminating cliches having a simplistic ideology all or nothing us versus them good versus evil thought stopping which i just expressed in an ethical application can be used to get rid of critical thoughts about mm -hmm. the leader, the doctrine of the group. So as a Mooney, if you said a critical thing, I'd be chanting, crush Satan, crush Satan, mm -hmm. you know, glory mm -hmm. to heaven, peace on earth. 
So anyway, and then emotional control, like making people feel special and love bombing them, but basically manipulating them, their guilt and installing phobias or fears that if they don't follow the group, terrible things are going to happen to them and, and their spiritual life or, or whatever. And so I, I was able to get a pretty good list together. And then I, but I was like, what's missing here? And what I thought about was the deception when I was recruited, because I never would have joined if they said, oh, we worship a Korean Messiah and you're going to be matched in a mass wedding to a stranger and have to paddle them at the full force on their tuchus, uh and all kinds of other bizarre things. Um so I, I I added information control, uh, including a recruiter finding out everything about your background, reporting it to a leader, them, then the leader having a group meeting and pretending that the leader can read your mind and know everything about your background, that your mother and father divorced or your sister had a drug problem. But this is called mystical manipulation from mm. Lifton, mm. by the way. So I, I added I, and when my, my first book came out, Combating, in 1988, I had the four criteria, but it was in a different order. And it was only years later that a friend of mine, a, a Christian minister who helped me on cases, uh, his name is Buddy Martin, said, you know, if you rearrange the order, Steve, he's from Texas, if you rearrange the order, Steve, you can call it bite, and then people can <laughs> remember it. And I'm like, buddy, what a great idea. Can I use it? He's like, please, please use it. <laughs> so now there's like millions of mentions on, on social media, of the bite model. Why? Because it's so powerful because you just look at it. If you're in a group and you start ticking off the destructive behaviors and after a bunch on each one of them, you're like, whoa, this is not a healthy group if it's doing all of these things. Yeah. And bite has, well, it has bite. And, <laughs> it, and it, it resonates with the subject matter, which is, you know, the best possible acronym. Right. Much better than, say, uh, TIBE. Um, right. So I'll just add, if you don't mind, Philip, that when I realized about eight, 10 years ago that I was an activist for decades and nothing was changing, I realized the law itself was out of date, mm. um, uh, at least 100 years out of date with what we know about the human mind and social psychology, much less digital stuff. So I got involved with a forensic think tank. Uh, at Harvard Medical School called the Program in Psychiatry and the Law and was teaching my stuff to them. And they're like, you need to get a doctorate and you need to do a quantitative study on the bite model because qualitative studies are not that respected in courts of law. So, uh, and one of the professors said, if you do it, I'll supervise your research. So we literally took the bite model, turned it into a Likert scale and we ran it with over a thousand subjects and we came mm. out with a high factor analysis for authoritarian control. Wonderful. So for the first time, we now have a scientific model and, and I should say a Boston university professors doing a uh, challenge study to see if, if she can, you know, either validate or falsify mm -hmm. uh, my findings but the idea is we can have a framework that everyone can agree on that it's not good if we know we need seven to nine hours of sleep a night and a group is telling you to sleep three or four, which was what I slept in the Moonies. Hmm. This is not, I can't think clearly <laughs> three to four hours a night, seven days a week for months at a time. It's just not humanly possible. So we can look at these variables and go, aha. Uh -huh, this yeah. is undue influence. This should not be allowed. Um, when you look at some of these uh, criteria in the influence continuum and in BITE, you see elements that might apply on the negative side to any organization. Mm -hmm. I mean, people work in corporate world, and there's a certain amount of conformity and 
peer pressure and subtle uh, manipulation and methods of ostracizing people, promoting people, all that stuff. You Uh see it there, you see it in sports teams, you see it in the military, you see it in volunteer organization. What makes spiritual organizations different? What's distinctive about them that we should be aware of? Well, that's an interesting question, but let me first say that uh, because I've been doing this for so many decades, I was literally interviewed by uh, people writing books. Like, how do we learn how cults keep people? Because mm. we want our company to learn how to recruit new consumers. <laughs> oh, really? And we want to use these this knowledge for our employees to make them loyal wow. and etc. Et so, and, and people like Tony Robbins... Uh, uh, who learned neuro-linguistic programming, something I learned back in the 80s, has been teaching corporate executives. It's based on Milton Erickson's uh, uh, methodology uh, of, of influence. And um, so to, to, your, to, your co- to your question or your comment, this knowledge is now infiltrated into all contexts, including coaches on sports teams and and yes mm-hmm. in the military and i'm planning to interview someone about uh military and where it fits on the on the influence continuum etc so back to your question about religion so what i what i want to start out with is that the united states seems to have a unique perspective on religious freedom that isn't shared by most civilized countries in the world. And I think a lot of it's due to corruption and lobbying. But basically, if the IRS gives you religious tax exemption status, all of a sudden, behaviors that are not okay in society are are forgiven because this notion, while they're over 18, they decided that they wanted to follow their guru, you know, blindly, and therefore that it's not a, a thing that we can judge if if the guru has sex with a an 18 year old because she's over the age of, of majority. I say ridiculous. You know, we the thinking is wrong. Society grants tax exemption status to groups with the understanding that they're going to do good for the community, not just themselves, but for the greater society. And then if you look like at a cult like Scientology, you have to pay for every single level up the pyramid of the bridge to total freedom. And you're not allowed to know what the upper levels are because you're told you'll die if you <laughs> find out this information, which you won't die, I promise you. Um, but in any case, so the, the, uh, the lens, I think, of consumerism needs to be brought back to religious Uh, freedom and say, you know, if someone's knocking on your door and saying, we want to study the Bible with you, and they don't say, oh, by the way, our our translation isn't accepted by any Jewish or Christian scholar, like the Jehovah's Witnesses have their own version. If you don't tell people, then you're violating their own religious freedom by deceptively saying, we're going to study the same Bible and it's not the same Bible. So um, my work is, you know, trying to make big changes uh, to everything. Uh, and um, and with religion, we're just that much more susceptible to um, uh, believing and trusting and assuming that the leader knows better and has benevolent uh, benevolent intentions mm-hmm. and that uh, again but uh, so many bad actors who are malignant narcissists get away with all kinds of abuse because their upper level people are all afraid 
that if they say that's not okay or that's illegal or that's immoral to tell the followers you're a celibate and you're screwing your secretary, you know, if they if they're not empowered to speak up, then this is a destructive cult. And I wanted to cite for your listeners the work of Ira Chaliff, who wrote Courageous Followership. Mm. And it's a model that says, if you understand the mission of whatever organization you're in, if a leader is violating that mission, you have to rebel and say, excuse me, you say it's is about freedom and you're enslaving, or you say that you're trying to help us grow, but you're keeping us away from things that will help us grow. So where I'm, you know, I think you're aligned on this quest to educate people to be spiritual, but good consumers at the same time. Yes. And uh, to not give away your power in the name of uh, trust and, you know, a certain amount of trust in a teacher student relationship is necessary. A certain amount of uh, respect is necessary, but, I always say the the Buddhists have this concept of um, the near enemy. (laughs) So if you take a good quality like trust and respect and take it too far or misdirect it, it becomes a problem and trust becomes gullibility and so forth. But it seems to me also, Stephen, and you hinted at this, that, you know, when uh, upper management in a corporation uh, or the coaching staff on a team, they're, they're mm-hmm. not invested with some of the mystical qualities that we assume spiritual leaders, or often assume spiritual leaders have. And that that makes them, uh, the assumption of uh, good intentions, benevolence, and um, enlightened uh, insight and wisdom we don't necessarily expect that of other leaders, but we, you know, spiritual leaders have that put on them. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and, and, and what I, what I can also say is, you know, a lot of folks who get taken advantage of by spiritual leaders had some sexual assault history in their childhood or some, you know, something that made them more susceptible and, you know, therefore, one has to take responsibility for healing yourself, but not looking to escape yourself by going into this, mm. thinking that I, I don't need to deal with my past trauma stuff. And often gurus who are sexual deviants just have a radar for people who are sexually abused and abuse them because the, and in the name of healing them, well, I can fix that. I can help mm. you. Sexual abuse aside, and it's a huge topic, and as you know, um, one that many people are addressing, including um, the people I've been working with in the Association for Spiritual Integrity, there are, uh, which I invite listeners to Google, um, but there's other forms of what you call undue influence and coercive persuasion. What do we know about what makes some people more vulnerable than others? Well, um, the biggest vulnerability is thinking you're invulnerable to it. And it only Mm. happens to other people who are weak or stupid or uneducated. That's a big myth. And so have some humility about it. And the other big vulnerability is, is not learning how to protect yourself, like knowing the bite model, knowing the influence continuum, knowing the hard questions to ask, um, Someone recently asked me to look at a website and I did, and there was no information about who started the website, what their background is, where they're getting their money from. And in this age of disinformation, any any person or group that isn't upfront, totally transparent and checkable, uh, why spend your time and energy on that? Um. I'm looking at the time and I have another uh, interview shortly, but yes, uh, we'll I wind think, it up. So I, that I, was I my next. To, yeah, go ahead, please. My next question was, um, 
about um, self-protection. If our listeners are involved with a new teacher, a new group, a new community, what are the things that they should be looking out for? What are the questions they should ask? What's your final uh, advice for them? And we'll close by please repeating the name of your website so they can find out more. Yeah, unfortunately, there's more that I want to share than I have time today, but I will say freedomofmind.com, frequently asked questions will cover a lot of things. But um, what what do uh, people need to, to know about? Well, um, the easiest thing to start with is take the name of the leader in quotes plus the name of the group in quotes, plus cult or plus brainwashing or plus ex-members. And don't settle for the first 10 hits on Google. Go 10 pages deep because mm. the more wealthy cults bury all the ex-members um, stuff. Interesting. Um, but uh, see what's out there. Are there books? Are there articles? Are there documentaries available? Um, and I also say, you know, what are you preparing to invest? Are you dropping out of college and turning over your trust fund? That requires hiring a PI and doing a really <laughs> thorough due diligence research project. And of course, people contact me all the time and say, give me an hour of your time and research this. And depending on how a group will respond to Steve Hassan, inquiring is very illuminating because the healthy groups are very happy and eager to talk with oh, me. And the ones that are dangerous are like, he's a bad person, don't listen to him. Um, uh, so that's interesting, but, um, <clears throat> always listen to your inner voice and your inner gut. And I often ask my clients, if you think back to when you first got introduced, what was your first reaction? And they'll often say, I wondered if this was a destructive cult or mm. I had a bad vibe or something. And it's like, I go back to Gavin De Becker's book. He's an expert on security. He wrote a book called The Gift of Fear. And, and in his book, you know, mm. just talking about generic criminals, it's like, if you are, you know, that you press a button for an elevator, and there's someone in it, and you have a bad vibe, don't get in the elevator. Mm. You know, if you're walking out, from shopping late at night and someone's following you and you have a feeling, walk back in and ask someone to escort you. Listen to your body, listen to your core self. And the worst that happens is it was a false positive, but mm -hmm. you're okay mm -hmm. versus being susceptible to being harmed. Lastly, I'll say, have a pod of trustworthy people that you like and respect that you can run things by it. Hey, I've been invited to this workshop every year of it. Or what do you think? Mm -hmm. uh, you have an organization with spiritual integrity. Hey, have you ever heard of this group mm -hmm. before? Because mm -hmm. I suspect you've heard from a lot of harmed people mm -hmm. as I have. And people, you know, email us all the time. Have you ever heard of this? Have you ever heard of that? And often I haven't, but it's because they changed the name. But when I hear the name of the leader, then I can often track the lineage is not a healthy one. Very good. Thanks so much, Stephen. This is very important stuff. I uh, commend you on all your good work. Keep it up. And listeners, uh, you can learn more at freedomofmind.com. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Let me hear from you. Send me your suggestions your critiques <laughs> and go to my website as well as Stevens and uh, the association for spiritual integrity site. If this is of the subject is of interest and we'll see you next time. Thanks.
I'm Laura Worcester, host of the Intuitive Life Podcast. As an intuitive medium and teacher working with the world of spirit, I love to share the peace that comes with the awareness that our departed loved ones are still with us. And I also love to help people explore what it means to live an intuitively led life. Start listening now on mindbodyspirit.fm or wherever you get your podcasts.